Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Amplify podcast and to celebrate I've had a voice transplant to make myself sound like a very sexy English man. Only kidding. My name's Alex and I'm going to be interviewing Bob for his very special episode 100 because I think it's about time we hear about the man behind the podcast. So I'm going to be asking Bob and turning the tables and grilling him and getting some really juicy information that you guys can all use and really deep dive into some of Bob's strategies and how he helps people in his kind of coaching as his kind of uh, group coaching as well Um, really really good chat and I think it's probably the best ever podcast episode that he has ever done just saying roll the music Hello and welcome back to the Amplify podcast and uh, I've got a, a lovely Mr. Bob Gentle who you may all know quite well I think Bob, I think you, the, the listeners will have heard of you. Yeah, surprise for the listener. Yes, my name's Bob Gentle, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Brilliant. Is it scary handing over the reins or is this, are you more relaxed than normal? It's, I, I want, scary is maybe not the right word, I know I'm going to have to be much more switched on. <laughs> not that I'm not when I've got interviewing brilliant guests. Well, I know, but you're listening. You're listening very, very carefully when you're the interviewer. But when you're the guest, you have to be quite careful that you actually get across what you want to get across. And frankly, I don't know what I want to get across. That's the scary bit. Well, I've, I've, I've got some notes. I've got some <laughs> things that I want to talk about. But, okay, so... Let's start at the beginning. So, I mean, I don't know if people will be interested in how I met you, but I remember very clearly going to the Upreneur Summit a couple of years ago, seeing a, a short, bald dude in a kilt um, <laughs> going nervously to go and get his little little name badge. I thought, oh, he's, he's cool. Yeah, I like this dude. I'm going to chat to this dude. And then a couple of hours later on, when it was the unofficial um, evening drinks, you were changed out of the kilt. So I was like, "Yes, I've got, I've got my, I've got my icebreaker. Where's your kilt?" Uh, and then took it from there. And glad I did. Yeah, the kilt. I thought I'm going to make an entrance. I don't normally do that. My wife makes kilts, so just so everybody is clear, mm. there's a good reason for this. But also, I do look pretty good in a kilt. Okay, I probably should ask you this off air, but I'm not going to. Uh, there is a Curtis clam. Can I get a Curtis kilt? You definitely can. If there's a clan, there's probably a kilt. Fantastic. Um, if there's a clan, there's probably a tartan. Yes. The question is if it's a nice tartan, because a lot of these... I think old, it's blue and yellow. I think it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, if it's a cool one, it's worth doing. If it's not a cool one, then there's lots of other tartans you can get. Well, fact, no, I'm not going to go there. On it, on it, on it, on it. Brilliant, right, Bob. So it's about time that we heard a bit more from you. I know you're doing your little... I call them in between episodes. What do you call your little... Well, I actually stopped doing them. And the reason I stopped doing them was, and I called them aftercasts. So anybody who's been a listener for a long time, you'll have heard these episodes. It was a solo episode Mm. from me. And I guess what the listener won't know is that they had a particular function in my content marketing journey, I guess, that with podcasting, when I started podcasting, I was really quite nervous about it. Every single guest, I was terrified. And I got to the point where okay I'm quite comfortable with this now it's not as time consuming as it used to be I want to add something else because when you listen to the podcast you never really meet me it's really my job to make the guests look great 
And I thoroughly enjoy that. But I thought, you know what, I need to show up in this a little more. And I knew I wanted to do YouTube as well. So I started doing a bit of a an outline as to what I wanted to talk about. And then I would write a blog post about that. I would then use that as a as a, an outline for a solo podcast episode. But it also then formed the structure of the YouTube video. And that worked really, really well for about six months. But I found after a time it became quite limiting because I was compromising on the YouTube for something that would work in audio only. And I, what I found was a lot of the, my audience, they wanted instructional content. And that's not going to work on a podcast. So what I decided was, because starting YouTube, it was very similar to starting the podcasting. I was really nervous, was terrified, didn't have any processes, had no idea how it was going to be re- received. But now I'm quite comfortable with YouTube and I'd rather do YouTube well and do a podcast well. And I've decided now I'm really going to focus on great guest podcasts and focus on great guests. And a lot of the time that's guests my audience might never have heard before. So that's the story with the aftercasts. They were great for a while, but if I'm honest, from a podcast perspective, they were a bit of an indulgence. So <laughs> I'm not carrying on with them. Oh, well, interesting. Well, I did notice the correlation between the the aftercasts and the YouTube videos. And so we, I mean, we've got tons to talk about. I've got some things I want to talk about, but actually this is really interesting that people who are late adopters possibly will think, you know, Bob's like a podcaster he's he's nailed this and what i'm just hearing that he was nervous he didn't know what he was doing he didn't have processes and then he did the same with youtube but all his youtube stuff looks amazing so <laughs> that hopefully i think that's pretty much the same story with literally anyone ever no one has done episode one of a podcast and it'd be amazing and um i hope bob that people are encouraged to do a bit more of it your own because that's your, your kind of thing you want to we were on a, a LinkedIn live yesterday and you were like you were some, one of your sort of students not sure if that's the right word yeah let's call it that yeah one of your one of your kind of one of your clan one of your students was like and you were like saying no I'm going to get you I'm going to get you doing LinkedIn live so you are hopefully you're sort of practicing what you preach and encouraging people to to do this because yeah it might seem scary but it's not really is it it's not I think it to be fair it is for anybody that's never done it, it's scary. I think everything that I've come to from a content marketing perspective was scary. I am very introverted. So when we met going to that conference, I was terrified. I might sound confident, I might have looked confident wearing a kilt, but I knew I wanted to be noticed. And wearing the kilt was probably the easiest way to do that. But I guess a lot of people, if they've been listening to the podcast for a long time, they'll be thinking Bob has an amazing network. That amazing network didn't exist two years ago. The, the guests, most of them have become friends. So people like you, I didn't know you. We're quite good friends now. Um, we have banter most days online. We do. We but do. But that, that all starts with one step. And it's a lot of people, they think, and this for me was a big thing, that I need to have the big picture before I take any action today. I need to have this entirely mapped out for the next five years as to what this is leading towards. And I was like that. I think when I started the podcast, I had a very specific vision. I probably shouldn't have, because what happened when I started the podcast was I learned. 
and I adapted and I realized potential that I couldn't have realized before. I saw things that I couldn't have seen before. And then that led to the next action. For me, the next action was um, doing some simple social video. And then the next action was actually my, I, I need some new products now for a new kind of customer I've never had before. The next step was, well, I need to maybe look at video content because I see all these people doing video content and every single step is terrifying and every single step opens the door to the next step. Um, so I look back on where I was when I started the podcast and I think, wow, that's a huge, huge distance. None of it, none of the individual steps are difficult. They're all possibly challenging, but individually they just take a little bit of courage and just a teeny, teeny bit. I'm holding up my fingers with a very small bit of courage in there. But when we were yesterday doing that LinkedIn live stream, if you'd asked me to do that two years ago, it would have been a flat no. It would have been, you would have to quite literally drag me kicking and screaming into that. And I enjoyed it. It's a, a really good way of putting it. I um, in, During lockdown, I started listening to um, the High Performance podcast with Jake Humphrey. It's got lots of um, sports stars on there. Johnny Wilkinson was on there recently, and he's an absolute legend in the rugby world, like probably England's best ever rugby player. And he was criticising his approach to playing the game. And he said he was too rigid. He said everything was planned out. And I was probably, you know, I was very good at executing it. But if you look at sports people like Roger Federer and Zinedine Zidane, they uh, they react to what's in front of them. They're very fluid. And it sounds like you've had this change that Johnny Wilkins has had, that you had like a rigid plan or you felt like you needed a rigid plan. And now you play what's in front of you and you have, you have adapted and you, you, you kind of react to it and change the plan and you're you're very fluid now whereas maybe before you did anything you felt like you needed to be rigid does that kind of make sense no that's absolutely true and i think what i've found is that i'm a very particular kind of introvert and if i don't have a sense of mission in my life a sense of clear purpose i really can't be bothered <laughs> and things like money yeah you need money to live but money isn't really what motivates me and I didn't really know what did. And when I started the podcast, I did start it with a bit of a vision. But what I found was the more action I took, the more I understand what I really enjoyed doing, who I really enjoyed serving. And the mission kind of unfolded over time. So to, to take me two years later, I'm at a point now where I've probably been wishing I could get to my whole working life, which is now I understand exactly who I'm for. I know exactly what I want to bring to them, what I, where I want to bring them. And that for me is brand new. But I know that might change in five years. But right now, that's the mission. And that's what pushes me to do the difficult things. So Nice. Love it. Yeah. No, I think as well, anyone, anyone else planning any sort of form of long-form content, the long game, that you, me and Pete have a little bantery uh, Facebook chat and all three of us have rebranded our podcast since launching it mm. so i think the, the i suppose the point is like go and do it and then mold it into what it should be based on what reaction you get i think is a is a really good lesson yeah it'll be uncovered in in the doing yeah definitely cool bob i want to chat about something that not many people talk about 
and I've heard you talk about it on other podcasts, is the having a lot of people sort of trip up maybe because they've got a short-term plan and they don't think about medium or long-term or they just have a long-term and they don't look at the others. And you made this really interesting comparison to like the stock market and dealing with a, you know, a financial advisor sort of thing. So can you talk us through that whole process and what you mean by that? Yeah, this really is something that helps a lot of people put some structure into all the various things that you could do online. That one of the challenges that most people have, especially when you start listening to the gurus making bunny ears here, mm-hmm. is there are different schools of thought. There's the content marketing school of thought saying you must just focus on content. And then there's the paid ads school of thought saying you don't need to bother with content marketing, just pay for traffic, get a good product, convert on that product, brilliant. And then you've got the social selling, social networking school of thought to say, it's all about connections, it's all about relationships. And for the business owner, that's a really confusing, conflicting mess. And this is something I find happens a lot in digital marketing is every silo is vying for dominance. And this analogy of investment really helps put some structure to that. So what I would say is if you can imagine paid traffic as a short-term investment, you pay your money today, you get your results today. But if you stop paying today, you stop getting your result today. It's quite expensive, but it works. But if that's all you do, from an investment position, you're never really going to move forwards other than from a sales perspective. It doesn't scale particularly well. If we then move along to the medium-term investment, medium-term investment, you're really looking at content, content marketing, social social media in particular, social content. That kind of activity, you start showing up online, building relationships online, expressing yourself online over a period of months that will start to cut through and you'll start to see some results from that. But again, if that's all you're doing, it's very, very time consuming. It's almost like a hamster wheel. It's really hard to achieve good, long-term, sustainable results from that. But for a lot of people, that's the plan, especially if they're in a, a sales role, for example. Then the other school of thought is you must podcast, you must YouTube, you must blog. Um, and I use these three specifically because they have a very special quality that the impact that they can have grows over time. So if I invest in that content, that content sits there for a while, it aggregates up over time and it starts to pay a return on investment, which is disproportionate to the investment you made, but only over time. And that could be a year, it could be two years. And for some people, that's all they do. But again, I think that's a little bit one-sided. And if, as you alluded to, if you were a financial advisor and you were advising me on a, a balanced investment portfolio, you would say, You need short-term investments, medium-term investments, and long-term investments. And I feel that that way of addressing all the things that you could do online really helps people understand, okay, this is how I should prioritize all the things that I could do. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. So how do you, when you're sort of coaching someone then, are you... Are you you breaking it down that way? Are you sort of saying to, if they're saying like, Bob, I don't know what to do. I've got this amazing service, I've got this amazing product. Are you literally sitting down with them and then talking them through what could potentially be their short, medium and long term with them? Yeah, I think the way that I work with clients, because my clients vary from 
corporate consulting clients where I'm not sort of dealing with a solopreneur. It's a marketing team and it's helping them understand how to balance these things. As you can imagine, you put yourself in the shoes of an agency owner and I'm going to my client and I'm saying, okay, we could do ads and we can do social media content. But I really think you need to torture yourself for the next two years as well. I think you really need to do that. That agency is going to get kicked out that door so fast. They never, So they never do it. But this is where the real long-term plays need to come. So when I work with my clients, we have to look at these long-term plays. And sometimes there's resistance. But a lot of the time, when they understand it within the context of that investment portfolio, they go, you know what, now I can see the, ven- the benefit of it. I can, I understand now that a blog is going to pay back, but it's going to pay back over years, not in the short term. But Bob has shown me lots of examples of people who stay with it, showing me the analytics to see, okay, now most of the traffic's coming through the blog posts. I can show them a graph of the analytics of a website where there's been no investment in content marketing. Another business exactly the same. There's been an investment in YouTube or podcast or blog over a period of years. And the traffic is like 20 times higher. And when you show them that, they can say, okay, now I see a reason why I should push through the pain, why I should be comfortable with being uncomfortable, because it is going to pay back. And now I know when. So yeah, that's how I work with clients. Brilliant. Fantastic. And is the accelerator program the sort of, because you do a lot of group coaching as well, is that the kind of the the same sort of thing, but sort of one to many rather than like a one to one? It is. So for context, the accelerator program is really my entry level product now, if you like. And it's really designed for the small business owner, the solopreneur that can never really afford to hire an agency, Um, but they still need to get things done. And the person this is for is the person that if I were to say, okay, Gary Vaynerchuk, he says every business should be 80%, whatever they do for money, but they should also be 20% media company. And Chris Tucker as well, he also says, if you want to be successful online, you need to embrace the media company mindset. And my clients, no matter what level they're at, they need to understand that this is what they're doing. This isn't just about digital marketing this is about embracing that i need to spend time building my own little media company within my company and so the accelerator within that community website there is a foundations of digital marketing course that walks you through all of these various frameworks that will help you understand how to put into context and prioritize all the things you could do in online so within that there is the the investment portfolio perspective but there are other frameworks in there as well to help you make other competing decisions fantastic Um, well so you've got so this is quite new isn't it but i i mean i did a little workshop for so i met like a couple of them and i know phil i don't know if phil is in your accelerator or or, yeah he is phil anderson brilliant and he's just launched a podcast hasn't he so what other can you talk us through any other sort of breakthroughs people have had have started it is there other anyone else sort of started a youtube channel that we can um rally behind or just kind of have a sneak peek or can you tell me about someone who's been who was really nervous like you and that's sort of now doing it i'd love to hear about what your students are doing i think i'm really proud of a lot of them and well i'm proud of all of them obviously but there, there are a few outstanding examples for me 
I think one in particular, creative agencies. Creative agencies are ten a penny. And I could walk out the door today and hire a web design company for cheap to build a website. And one of the problems I think a lot of very small agencies have is if I ask you what's different about your company, they won't really have an answer. They might say, oh, we've got these processes or anything like that. But at the end of the day, people hire people and creative agencies aren't very good at actually showing up online. They're very good at showing their work, but they're not very good at showing up as people. So I have Daniel and Ailey who run an agency local to me called Dunclyde. And they'll be terribly embarrassed when I talk about this. But they have an ambition to move to Los Angeles. And for a lot of people, you might think that's a bit of a leap. They've already set up a company in Los Angeles. They live in Scotland. And they wanted to build their profile so that they can have relationships there before they move. People can know who they are. So they have an amazing website that's nailed down, but they didn't really exist online as people at all. So they've started doing a YouTube channel called Design Break, and it's gorgeous. It's so well produced. And they've gone through the pain of really one worrying about perfectionism because they're designers. Everything has to be perfect. They've gone through the pain of worrying that some people might not like them. They've now accepted some people won't like us, but some people will love us. So let's just lean into being ourselves. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant YouTube channel. And they're there for the long term. So that's a really thrilling case study for me. Then there's people starting podcasts. There's a lady in her 60s who's completely sort of repositioned her business, Rosie. And she's, again, she's doing video marketing and embracing all of these things online that people of that generation typically wouldn't. They'd find lots of reasons not to do it. So Rosie's, again, a great case study. Yeah, many, many others, but I wouldn't want to embarrass people, to be honest. <laughs> one in it. particular, though, one in particular I will I will give a big shout-out to. It's a guy called Craig, and Craig runs a wedding videography business. Now, can you imagine running a wedding videography business the last six months? Yeah. But where lots of other people would have just sat back and given up. He's continued to invest in building his personal brand and building and building and building in order that when things do come back, he's positioned himself for success. So when people need to hire a wedding videographer, his ideal customer will look on guy online and go, that's the guy I want. And not because he's just slicker or fancier. It's because he really wants customers who want him as a person, not just him as his product. And you can now discover that now, which you couldn't before. Brilliant. Love it. There's so many instances where, um, you know, with like designers, photographers, yeah, the creative side of things, that if you, the, the designer will logically assume that the design work will be the reason. But a lot of the time it's the people. And if you ask someone who's used a designer for so long, it'll be like, the words I'll use, they're reliable they're easy to work with none of it will be about that work they'll be like oh the work's obviously good but the important things they mentioned first are the the things about the working relationship the person uh when you get your head around that it's such like a such a big thing that that you can just leverage and everyone is different and like you said about design break that some people aren't gonna like them good that means that some people will and you will you, you there's no point in being vanilla like in trying to please everyone it just yeah yeah I remember there was an incident 
I'm not, it wasn't really an incident, but it was a moment where we had a group in a room and we were talking about video marketing. We're just beginning the conversation at the beginning with this coaching group. And there was an accountant in the group and she kind of sat bolt upright and said, oh, there's this other accountant on LinkedIn and he does videos and they're terrible. And I kind of said, whoa, hang on a minute. Does anyone in the room know who this person's talking about? And everybody nodded their head. And I said, okay, anyone in the room, if I ask you to name another accountant other than the one that's in the room and your own accountant, how many others could you name? They all put their hand up with a number one on their fingers, one other accountant. And it was the one who was doing video. And people hire people they know first. If you're the person people know, you're going to have to be excluded before they move past you to someone else. If they don't know you, they, you're, you're just one of many at that point. So it just boils down to luck at that point. So showing up online, being the guy people know, if you can achieve that, you're miles ahead, ahead of everyone else already. Everything else is a bonus. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you guys in the in your program or in the you know accelerator program or, or coaching talk about this kind of niching down type of thing? Is this wedding photography you mentioned? Do they, is it just is their USP literally them, or do they have like a particular style, or is it I need to do weddings for so and so? Or a lot of them are existing tr- traditional businesses, so they're not the online business owners that you and I might be used to hearing or meeting all the time. So a lot of the time they're working with a geographic market and especially just now they're looking for new ways to continue serving that existing geographic market. But once they start to understand, okay, now I'm online, the game is different. It used to be there were half a million people in my city and that was my audience. And within that, there may be 4,000 businesses. But now I have an audience of potentially 7 billion. So maybe I can do things differently now. And I do have a few people that once that penny drops, and again, the accelerator is quite new and the coaching groups have only been running for a couple of years now. But yeah, you do find that moment when somebody understands because you can tell them about niching. You can tell them about you need a really, really tight avatar. But until they actually get it at an intellectual level and an emotional level they're not going to make that leap mm. and i don't force it because they're already making money they just want to do more of what they're currently doing better but once they get that aha then niching becomes both an exciting and an emotionally difficult process because by niching you always feel you're excluding so much that you're saying no suddenly mm-hmm. and that really does scare people But then they do quite quickly get through that when they understand, yeah, the niche is just, that's the, that's the bullseye, but there's a whole halo around that of people who are the people you're already doing business with. They're not going to stop seeing you just because everything seems to be for one person. So it's not a huge focus, but it is certainly something that we do speak about. Brilliant. What else? So Bob, you've been doing this for like, you got like 20 years experience you ran like a pretty big agency like what else have you observed seen or what what can i learn from you that or your kind of perspective that we've we've not sort of talked about 
for me, my biggest frustration, and this was real, I've changed my business in response to this. It's very easy to sell digital marketing because people have a pain point. I, I remember I was hired to work for a big electrical contractor. So they employed about 200 people to do electrical installations in all kinds of places. And you think, great, it was good money, great retainer. But they just wanted someone to come and wave the magic wand, make them famous and make them rich. It's never going to happen. I think we've gone from, and when I got into the web to begin with, because when I first got into the, the sort of web space, it was right at the beginning in the 2000s, when I had to persuade someone a website was a good idea. I often had to explain what a website was. And I kind of got deeper and deeper and deeper into bed with website design. And then I remember sitting one day thinking, this is just a pain in the arse. They're really, it's, it's really hard to, to stand out as a web designer these days because there are so many of them. And I'm not, I don't like just being one of many. Uh, I really wanted people to come to me for the value that I had. And I had to look at, well, what is my value? Because my value is not building websites. And then I looked back on that whole sort of website design career and thought, well, I got into it because that, if you'd asked me 15 years ago, what can I do to build my business online? The answer was, well, you need a website. That was pretty much all you could do. But as time had moved on, there's so many new options. And what I would love for business owners to do is to stop thinking website, search engine optimization, great as those things are, important as they are. Think beyond that and think, how can I show up online? How can I become known? How can I become discoverable? And how can I convert that discovery into value for me? And really, in order to do that, you need to go with something valuable to the person that needs it the most. It's not rocket science. It just needs the business owner in particular to either delegate that with trust or embrace that they're going to have to take action in it. The biggest change for me to answer your question simply is you can now achieve so much online. And literally, you can have anything you want if you're willing to show up for it. If you'd ask me, what am I for? I look back on where I was five years ago as a business owner and say, I want to help you. I want to help you to get through that pain as quickly as possible in order that you can embrace this media company mindset. And it's particularly those people who are introverted, they're shy, they don't have the confidence, they're scared, people aren't going to like them. The people who, who watch on LinkedIn as the belligerent, bullshit alphas, if you want to say, just post garbage for the sake of it. And you sit there and you go, I could do so much better than that, but you don't. Mm. Step up and you'll be astonished at the results you can achieve. And I think now, in particular, you can achieve those results. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now more than ever. Like, when it is, like, I remember being in a similar situation, like the frustration that you get of seeing, well, everyone in your, that accountant, you, going back to when you were talking about that accountant, seeing the other accountant putting out videos and they were rubbish. And that frustration, I remember that. Like, I remember like doing a, like being turned down for a dentist website job when, because <laughs> someone else was a dentist expert, but their websites were rubbish. Like the best product doesn't always win. It's like, how people want to feel safe 
and they feel safe the more they know you um that's it's just the way we are as human beings so it's it's like and you've got like the podcast we're on now it's like um you know you never could do that before it's like a free well it's not totally free obviously but it's a you're creating your own media channel you don't even have to you don't have to apply to be good enough to a podcast you can just launch one yeah Um, i think another thing that i have realized and this is something that often comes out through the accelerator now but particularly the, the group coaching that i do is once people start to realize what they can do online that the game is different it it does change their perception in terms of what they can achieve in terms of audience and market. But they also come back to look at their product again and go, you know what? I got the wrong products. My whole business is wrong because if I adjust my business for an online world, hey, this scales in ways that I'd never have imagined before. So there's also that going on that now I think you can do business in ways that you might have thought of as a fantasy 10 years ago. I mean... I always come back, there's a guy who has a business teaching people sword swallowing online. <laughs> I kid you not, this guy is making, he, he has a fantastic business, better than yours, better than mine, whoa, commercially. Whoa, whoa, all right. He's just teaching people sword swallowing. That's incredible. Somebody else I've heard of has, has a business teaching people to paint door hangers. I, I don't even know what a door hanger is. <laughs> But they are making a lot of money just teaching people to do that thing. So when you go online, if you're good at something or if you can be good at something, go find the audience. But that audience, simply you finding them, isn't going to be sufficient. You're going to need to show up and become valuable to them. But once you understand the dynamic of that, yeah, anything's possible. Love it. It literally is. It literally is. Anyone that doesn't believe you or I, Bob, what would you say to them? Uh, I I would do the whole sort of show me the money because Mike Morrison, no, I better not use him as an example. <laughs> um, Mike Morrison is a great example, actually, because he runs a business teaching people to run membership websites. He has hundreds of members paying him probably 35, 40 pounds a month. Now, on the face of it, That sounds like a Mickey Mouse business. If you were to go into the local enterprise agency and say, I want to start a business teaching people to do something a bit weird, they'll look at you like you're insane. It isn't. People are building these very odd businesses all over the world, doing things that you would think are ridiculous. But the thing is, they need so little success in terms of the global market to be successful that if they just show up consistently enough, if they play this investment portfolio, I'm going to call it a game, it's not a game, but if they if they invest wisely in, in, in that portfolio, they'll reach that audience over time, and over time that audience can become monetized, that audience can become successful. And it honestly doesn't matter what you do. What does matter is you have to do it with integrity, because you'll never be able to sustain it if you don't. Absolutely. Do you think that's the key? I mean, we talked about this on the, on the live the other day, that a lot of the lot of that fear I had it myself the LinkedIn fear of like fear of being shot down by peers or or trolled or or whatever and we can we kind of touched on it didn't we the other day and a lot of it was that integrity and having and the um the start with why very popular at the minute 
and a lot of people say their why is on my is very insular like me my family my kids or whatever um but actually when you when you find that mission that why is about your audience and all you ever want to do is like really just help them it's like how how can someone shoot you down and how can you not be successful if you have that drive to want to help people yeah it also won't really matter if people criticize what you're doing because when you do start showing up you will get the odd message that says you know what that was awesome that really helped that's who it's for Mm. they're the only people it's for if people don't like my podcast my youtube my social media me it's okay now I'm fine with it. <laughs> I think the integrity piece for me has been bigger than I expected. As a guy that's been in business, you'll be the same. When you're in business and you're not focused on an audience, the feedback loop isn't there. So you can get away with mm-hmm. naughtiness. You can get away with maybe not being entirely congruent. But this happened particularly when I started doing the coaching groups, but now more than ever with the accelerator. People expect me to walk the walk. And if I'm telling people you need to push through your comfort zone, you need comfort zones are elastic. You need to you need to just um keep stretching it and you'll become more and more comfortable. Your business will grow, your audience will grow. You need to do this balanced portfolio approach. They expect me to do it. And if I don't do it, they're gonna call me a liar, they're gonna call me out on it, and they're gonna do it straight away. So when I conversations come up about Facebook groups or live streaming or YouTube, if I'm not doing those things, how can I possibly tell other people they should be doing them? So it doesn't really matter how hard it is for me. I know, I know the way it goes, I know it'll get easier, but I have to do it, absolutely have to do it. I remember, there's a good comparison actually that I only thought about after I'd endured the pain. I remember I used to work as a volunteer in search and rescue for about 10 years. And you get put in all kinds of dangerous, properly dangerous situations. And I was also an army reservist. And you get put in properly dangerous situations. But they never throw you in. You, they, they'd start you off with standing on the edge. And then you gradually and gradually and gradually sort of move closer and closer to the centre of where the danger is. And when I looked back on that, I was like, yeah, that's what you need to do. Is you just need to slowly acclimatise yourself with the things that make you uncomfortable and they'll become comfortable quite quickly but just take these gradual gradual baby steps over time love it love it bob i think that's a really great place to kind of wrap up if that's cool with you i i mean i want to say you're an incredible human <laughs> i i love listening to the podcast one of the few, genuinely one of the few that i listen to on my runs um you have some incredible guests and what you get out of them is uh, is brilliant you know i could hear a guest on another podcast and hear him on yours and get something new from them so hopefully i speak on behalf of all the listeners say we really appreciate this last hundred episodes that you've done and looking forward to the next thank you very much and to every listener to every listener that's listened thank you very much i am very grateful but you could get in touch more often they don't do they that's the thing with podcast listeners <laughs> they don't they, they they reach out to your guests but not necessarily to you so everyone everybody who everybody this is you have to do this every single one of you i'm going to do it you need to dm bob and say bob you know what? I, I really appreciate this podcast and it's a really important part of my day slash week 
Um, so please, please do that. And also do that as a review on iTunes as well. That, that, that is quite helpful. I could hear Bob. I could hear, I could hear him like the, his mentally sort of saying, Alex, tell them to terms for review so to be honest, i never well i do actually i never in the interviews themselves but i obviously have my robot piece at the beginning and end where i mention it yeah but when i get reviews which doesn't happen that often sometimes they're really nice <laughs> they're really good <laughs> <laughs> they are it's such a faff though i can see why people don't do it it is a bit of a faff but do please yeah. make the effort it's a landmark occasion 100 episodes it's a fantastic podcast i'm sure it has helped a lot of people um, so go and do your reviews and join the join the Facebook group if you're not in there. I'm in there as well. Um, say hello. And I think also with the things like the Facebook group, there's no there aren't any stupid questions like Bob and I would have asked them before in groups that we're in. You know, until you know it, you you know you don't know what you don't know. So like, yeah. don't that is that Facebook group is a very safe environment for you to sort of ask anything in there mm. so like just jump jump you know if you've got a problem with something you're stuck with something no matter how if you think it's inconsequential or not important or whatever but it's bugging you chuck it in there i would love i would love you to do that because it means i don't have to be constantly thinking of things to say so it would really really help me a lot <laughs> so yeah you've got a mission right so you either have to do a review dm bob or put a post in the facebook group and if you don't i will track down your ip address and do something so you've been warned. That's exciting. <laughs> Bob's much nicer than I am. My man, that was so much fun. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Do really appreciate the podcast. So looking forward to hearing the next 100 and catching up soon when real life allows it to. Mm. And we'll catch up then. Great. Thank you. See you later. Bye. That's it. 100 interviews done thank you so much to every one of my guests and listeners for making it so much fun I have some big plans for the next 100 episodes but if there are some guests that you'd like to hear from then let me know thank you so much to Alex for interviewing me that was kind of weird I'm never doing it again but I couldn't have been a nicer guy and you did a fantastic job so thanks for that before I go, as usual, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do, message me, let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed this show or any of the other 100 interviews, that we've been working on over the last two years then I would love for you to review that on iTunes it would mean a lot to me and it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers my name's Bob Gentle thanks to Alex for giving me his time this week and to you for listening and see you next week (laughs) <laughs>